great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just ran down. Everybody, amazing. I'm not going to remember any of it. That's the way to go. All over the Now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? Wow. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other fantastic host of this show, Nick. And Nick, I mean, what is there to say at this point? We're three and six. We're finally into our bye week. I think that's first and most important. Aside of, how are you, my good brother? Uh, well, for those that are just listening and not watching, I'm dressed in all black to show the death of the 2023 Rams season. Uh, it's all over. There's no post postseason. Just give it up. Forget about it. Um, yeah, I mean, just probably the worst football game I I've ever watched. Maybe in the McVay era. I mean, just oh, no. God, horrible, horrible football. I'm good though. Outside, good, of that. good. That's great. That's great. Before we get into this episode, make sure if you guys are enjoying the podcast so far, so far that you guys are. Ram it. <laughs> still finding a way to ram it. Still finding a way to like and subscribe the podcast because we will have a good episode today, and we will be rolling out more great episodes as this the season progresses. Um, Nick, obviously a really tough loss that we're coming off of. We're coming off of a, really a four-week, I would say five-week stretch. We're one and four in the last five weeks. And it seems like the bye week is very necessary. We're, we're out without Matthew Stafford, without Ernest Jones, without Rob Havenstein. Two of the three weight-bearing walls were able to play in this game. But I guess the simple question is, if it weren't Brett Rippon and it were Matthew Stafford, do you think the Rams win this game? I mean – Right off the bat, coming off last week with Dallas, there's so much to be frustrated about. Stafford doesn't have to make a diving thumb-first catch for a two-point conversion in a meaningless game. Um, And then on top of that, you know, you draft this backup quarterback that should be able to come in and be better than Jordan Love, who is horrendous, and he doesn't start. So then Brett Rippon, who shouldn't even be on a football team – I mean, I watched backups this whole – Josh Jobs doesn't know anybody on the Vikings uh, team and throws two touchdowns and rushes one in. Like, there's no excuses for the poor quarterback performance that we saw today. And it's just – yeah, I mean, Stafford wins the game. I think Stenson Bennett wins the game. I think Josh Dobbs, not knowing anybody's name, wins the game. Um, <laughs> it, Brett Rippon was terrible. I hope he's off the team. Like, honestly, dresser win might win the game. So at you, least he has some reps with the Canadian team. You said something really interesting about Matthew Stafford, how the play calling we talked about this week's prior was when the play call was designed to go to Matthew Stafford on the two point conversion. He arranged his thumb. The same thing was happening with Tyler Higby in this game, which I thought was really strange. Like McVeigh talked about after the game, that Tyler Higby was banged up. They still had him in line. They still had him blocking. They're still calling his number in specific situations. Like to me, that's just like situational stuff that you can, very, very easily correct by drafting a tight end, which they did, or trusting in a third-year tight end that played in the Super Bowl, or is he in his fourth year, Bryson Hopkins? I don't even know, but regardless, the Brett Rippon dresser win 
Matthew Stafford conversation is going to continue. And I thought what was really interesting was I saw this quote from Sean McVay, and I believe it was from Gary Klein, and Jordan Rodrigue had reposted it. Uh, the, the quote read, McVay sounded as if Matthew Stafford would be ready for Seattle. He asked if Brett Rippon would start if Stafford cannot. He said, we're going to look at a lot of different things over this break, but I'm optimistic that I don't even have to think that that's something that we have to worry about. What? So he's saying that hopefully Stafford comes back, but it's if Stafford doesn't come back, there's like a potential we're going to bring in an outside guy. I think is what is there? I mean I think that's the that's that's my takeaway from that because what other a lot of things are you going to look at? And then that's also admitting like yeah, we're boned if Stafford can't play because we need to go outside of this organization or to our fourth string. The backup quarter, quarterback conversation will continue. Um, and it's obviously going to be something that we talk about as this episode progresses. We'll talk about the Rams' draft position, right, and how they could potentially look at a quarterback as they look ahead for 2024. But, like, Brett Rippon in this game, he was 13 of 28 for 140 yards, two turnovers. The Packers scored seven points off of the Rippon double fumble. I think it was in the first quarter or the second quarter earlier on in the game. That was Follow a seven-play – yeah, it was seven play, forty-one yard possession. Um, I think the the next uh, Packers possession that they scored on was in result of a missed field goal. So it was the Packers. They fumbled on back to back possessions, and then the Rams responded with a punt, and then a Lucas Habarisic missed forty-nine yard field goal after making his rain. first. Yeah, in the, in the rain. rain, it was raining. His first fifty-plus yard field goal um, a, a few minutes before, which was a fifty-two yard attempt. Um, but the Packers ended up scoring on that drive. There's another seven-play, 53-yard possession. And then the other touchdown that they scored was off of the Brett Rippon turnover. And for the people that were asking, oh, why was Benny Sko in this game? Why was Demarcus Robinson in this game? It's because there's some continuity there, right? It's because yeah, that's what he is. He's a camp arm. And in getting the reps with some of the third-string receivers, some of the backup players, there's going to be some comfortability there. So that's just some of the stuff that you saw within this game. And that's like the only amount of time that I want to spend on the recap. I don't even really want to talk about anything else that happened in this game because like having to watch Brett Rippon, like it's, it, it's all synonymous with the Super Bowl hangover. It's all synonymous with the lack of preparation in the draft for the quarterback drafting sets embedded in round four. Maybe, you know, that that's a, a very, very personal situation. Hopefully that all works itself out. We're hoping for Stetson's case and for his family, that that all works itself out, but you still have to be able to address the backup quarterback situation. And I think in situations like this, Josh Dobbs, his name was thrown around. It's an in-division trade. That stuff's not always going to work itself out. But like in these kind of situations, if a weight bearing wall goes down, if Cooper Cup goes down, you have Puka Nakua. If Aaron Donald goes down, at least you drafted two interior defense players, an edge play, two edge players. Like if Matthew Stafford goes down, you really had nothing. Right. And, that, and that's you know, what it's ugly head in this game. I'm going to take a page out of Stephen A. Smith's book here when he's talking about <laughs> the first move that uh, Phil Jackson did as an executive of, New, of the New York Knicks was sign Lamar Odin, who was on crack. Um, I. <laughs> I am giving all love and attention and everything to Stenson Bennett and his family, the person. I hope he's okay. But you did not do your homework, Les Snead, Sean McVay. You drafted somebody that has the problem, um, and that's horrible. Like I, I don't want to be sitting here talking about it, but that's who you picked, and that's the person that's supposed to step in in these situations, who's supposed to be there 
for the pillar, for the wall. And he and he can't be. And then now, once again, under the McVeigh era, era, we're seeing the worst backup play in the entire league. And it's just when you have a quarterback as banged up as, as Stafford, you need to you need to address that question. I mean, it's the second year this has happened, almost at the exact same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's no Baker Mayfield to save you from mediocrity this time. Um, so I mean, it's just. Look at yourself in the mirror. You're not a you're not a real team. You're not a serious team. And yeah, the 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 list of, in the top six that you're going to be in is going to be draft order and not you know wild card spot. And it's pathetic. Right. Right. Really. Yeah. And the you know what? Stuff is horrible. Also, one more thing about game recap. I know you didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, um, speaking yeah. of Ben Skoranek, um, the Rams early on in the game they get a run. Yeah, the five reverse. yards. They, they get a run for four yards. And then it's third and one. And what do they do? Jet sweep with Ben Skronik? You just got nine yards on the ground. With, I know, but uh, if he doesn't if he doesn't slip, it's perfect execution. I, I agree that it wasn't necessary. You got a little bit too cute there, but like it's a good transition because the situational stuff is is really interesting. Cooper Cup was was speaking very honestly, it sounded like directly from his heart on how defenses are addressing the Rams and preparing the Rams weekly. Like recognizing and diagnosing and adjusting on the fly is where this offense needs to be, do a better job coming out of the bye. And that's what we were sold. It was, we were sold a false bill of rights in the offseason that this offense was going to be able to hold up the defense in the special teams unit. And then at times they were going to be able to play complimentary football and squeak out some wins. But it, Cooper Cup was pretty adamant over the fact that he said it wasn't specifically a coaching issue and it hasn't been a coaching issue as the coaches have done a really good job of preparing in all scenarios, but more so of the players knowing exactly what to do in the middle of a play, like being able to anticipate things and not be able to predetermine what the play or the read is, is what Cooper Cup mentioned and being able to miss on, on both the coaching staff and then on what you're getting on a specific look pre or post snap, like all of that stuff has to work in tandem. I think there's some serious adjustments that you have to be able to make coming out of the bye. More specifically, it's the situational play calling and it's on McVay's shoulders, but it's also the execution in the players and just be able to adjust and not exactly predetermine what the game plan is. And I think that the Rams and Sean McVay fall victim to doing that. And it's an oh, adjustment yeah. that, that they can make up coming out of the bye. It's an adjustment that the players can make like, Simple. We talked about this for a couple of weeks. Simplify the game plan and do the things that you're really good at. Try to continuously develop some of these young kids, which I think they've done a really good job of. Kobe Turner and um, let's name some others. Kobe, who else is Byron Young? Um, Steve Avila. Like these I, I are mean, all. It's 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 honestly hard to think about positives right now at all really and i like i know you're 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 looking for like into the future and like into positivity but i mean like you said about the offense if if they're not going to grow there's there there's nothing to look forward to i don't see this as as like a better team with those good pieces i mean puka nakua obviously the best from the from the class but still like i it's it's not a great future it doesn't seem like i mean and to steal a page out of Colin Cowherd's book here, I know I'm just going through the announcers that I love, um, or whatever, not announcers. They are, uh, I feel like the Rams are kind of like the Marvel universe of the, uh, of the NFL. They have shown, like, they have hits. They have huge hits in the past, and they were big Super Bowl hits. And now the formula is getting stale, 
and they are doing nothing to change it. And people are realizing that and they're checking out. They're trying to advertise the Marvels and the Marvels are Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. And, and no one wants to see that show without the necessary supplemental cast. And that's the unfortunate thing is like, you're going to look at yourself in the standings, right? Cause this is, it's, it's still competitive in the NFC West and you're going to look at games like Seattle and Arizona as potential win scenarios over the next couple of weeks coming out of the pie. But right now it's San Francisco at the top and then Seattle five and three, and then the Rams at three and six and the Cardinals are one and eight. So, you know, it's the season isn't all but lost and I'm not trying to be overly optimistic because I feel like that is the role that I'm placed in, in this podcast is like, Oh, you're the optimistic one. That's just overwhelmingly positive about the Rams and they buy into every situation and every word that comes out of Leslie and Sean McVay's mouth, not necessarily the situation. Uh, we've been very critical of this organization over this past year specifically because of what they sold us in the offseason. And I think that's why it's so confusing. And this is going to be the, the transition of like the five, six important questions that I feel like all fans are really asking themselves. And it was Tanji, who was this is actually in a thread with Seattle Rams and 3K. If you guys are on Twitter or X or whatever the hell you want to call it, it's being framed as a sneaky tank to where the front office and the coaching staff is saying all the right things, but your play calling and lack of moves and your draft pick positioning makes it feel like it's more of a, of a tank than it actually is. But maybe in, in those terms, it's a sneaky tank. So I, I like the thought process behind that was like, it's, you're not, you're not the Philadelphia 76ers, right? You're not trust the process. You're not purposefully losing games to try and get the first overall pick for five consecutive years. You're trying to develop supplemental talent to eventually grow them, maybe one or two of them into core contracts and try to holistically put the picture back together for 24 and 25. I mean, that was kind of the, the idea going into the season, right? It was like, if you could win nine games, great. I hope that they're going to win nine games. That was my prediction earlier on was, yeah, hopefully this is a young team if they develop in the right directions and the front office and the coaching staff and the players all join forces and do exactly what they said they were going to do then yeah, that could happen. But right now we're seeing the other side of it, which is injuries piling up and and just lack of execution in big moments. Yeah, I mean, sneaky tank. Um, I, I, that could be, I feel like that's almost a cop-out because I feel like they are in all of these games and it doesn't feel like they're blowing them on purpose. I mean, the, the Bengals game shouldn't win. Um, the uh, Steelers game, that's another one that should easily be sure. a win. I think, I think they're trying to win. Uh, I'm, maybe they're not totally upset with the results. Um, but still, I feel like even if you have a young team like this one uh, with pieces that you want to you know, hope make the next step going into next year, you want to show them a culture that is real and legit. Um, and, and when you go out there and you do stuff like this and you start a season with Brett Maher, as your kicker, and you don't have a realistic backup option, um, this is kind of – I mean, they are getting everything that they deserve right now, unfortunately. And it's, it is it, yeah. it is a pain in the ass to watch it through. So I want to ask this to the fans, everybody that's listening, to you specifically, because I think you'll probably give the best answer amongst anyone. But are we at the point where you feel like the Super Bowl magic has officially worn off? I can't say that I personally am there quite yet because like my devastation and anger would be oozing through the airwaves. I'm pretty level-headed right now, but I want to know your opinion on the topic. 
I feel like the magic is gone when I now can't, I can no longer say, hey, you know, at least they won the Super Bowl because now I've said that recently to a 49ers fan who was helping fix my car like during my last service. He was like, come on, man, that was forever ago. And I like kind of, it kind of like sunk me in my heart. And I was like, but it feels like yesterday. Um, How about when and, we were at the Eagles game and we said, don't you think the Rams' Super Bowl is legitimate enough to be celebrated? And they were like, no, oh, that was this, the COVID year. I was like, this guy was an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, so no one's going to say it was a COVID year during the Tom Brady seventh Super Bowl win, which actually was, which the, COVID was the COVID year. Right. Yeah. And then, and then the following year when, you know, there, there were no COVID restrictions at any point. Then all of a sudden, it's the uh, you know it's the COVID year. Superstar. I, mean, I, I, I just think that was a dumb yeah. Eagles fan because oh obviously when they said that if the Eagles had won the Super Bowl that year, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I for me, yeah, I think the magic's gone. It it doesn't really hit the same. Like I don't want to wear my hat that that has the Super Bowl patch on it anymore because oh, it just hurts. feels like passe. Um, I mean, obviously banners fly forever and we have that forever and that memory will live on. But at this point, two, two seasons in a row where you're three and six and you are insignificant in the NFL talk. Um, it almost feels like now back to like pre 2018, where I would watch a show like Colin Cowherd show. And I would just beg them to talk about the Rams because they were just so insignificant. And now it's like, and the Rams lost. And, like, that's all you get. I, I almost don't want them to be talking about the Rams at this point, yeah. right? Because it's like yeah. not anything could be positive. It was overwhelmingly positive the first three weeks of the season. Can't believe what Sean McVay is doing with this group, these young rookies. This is unbelievable. He's putting teams away. They're scoring 30-plus points. He's the Sean McVay of old. He's rejuvenated. And it comes all crashing down to the point where <clears throat> Samuel L. Jackson – is making comments on it. I don't know what this is about. I mean, this guy doesn't talk about football or anything but movies for like 35 years of existence. And then all of a sudden he tweets, at what point do we start the Rams coaching conversation? Question mark, question mark, explanation point, explanation point. So he's a fan of the Rams? I, I, I wouldn't have known. I didn't even know he was a football fan. I had, I had no idea. And absolutely no idea that Samuel L. Jackson had any affiliation with the Rams, but why does he have something specific against Sean McVay, and why is he so tuned into the L.A. narrative to the point where he knows if a Los Angeles team goes 8-18 eight and 18 over two seasons that the coach should potentially be on the hot seat, even though in no way are either of the two on the podcast saying that in any point. No, no. Um, I would love it if you had our dad's follow-up tweet to Samuel L, though, because he kind of mm -hmm. like low-key agrees with him where he's like, hey, Sam, you know, today's the first time I'm having that thought to myself. Um, and, I, you know, that's totally fair if you're a Rams fan and you're thinking that because, it, I mean, two seasons in a row, and especially if you're like just an L.A. fan in general, well, yeah. um, you know, stuff moves different. What have you done for me it, recently? Yeah, it moves different. The Lakers won a 2020 championship. After two seasons of mediocre play, that coach was gone. And he got hired again, of course, because he's a great coach. But they're not they're not here to, to sit around. And I think football's a different beast. So, I mean, you can't really, like, just think about firing McVay yet. I mean, next season, if it looks like this next season, I think the conversation could be legitimate. 
Um, I mean, I would hope not because I still I would want him to be our coach for a, the long foreseeable future. Um, but maybe I mean, Lesney definitely yeah. would be on the hot seat. It's oh, it's if they're three and six at this point next year, somebody's getting fired. Yeah. I would say that that's the, definitely the case. I don't know if it's going to be Les or Sean. I, you know, would hope their records are totally switched because you look at some of the point differentials here. Like you look at Seattle. Seattle's put up 171 points. We've put up 178, but because we've given up 204 to their 175, that's the difference, right? Like that's a five and three football team to a three and five, three and six football team, and it's the difference of being out in the middle of the season, looking upward, and the difference of being on top of the division if you're the Seattle Seahawks, tied with the San Francisco 49ers for first place in the division. So I think really they no longer – I think they're – didn't they lose again? So now they're – because the Niners had a bye. So are they both five and three? No, yeah, they're both five and three because Seattle oh. had their bye already. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think the, the coaching discussion, I think it gets to the point where – People start to get impatient when the conversation comes up of Coach Bingo. In this specific scenario, it's Sean McVay Bingo. And I think it's when some of his isms and some of the things that he says consistently after losses. And this, I, growing up in the Philadelphia market and listening to Andy Reid in press conferences in Philadelphia, he was the king of saying, I got to do a better job at that. I just, I got to do a better job. And it, it rode him all the way into the end of his career in Philadelphia. And then his rejuvenation with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. But these kind of isms that Sean McVay has been saying as of recent, but I've got to do a better job of getting players prepared. I have faith in guys in the locker room. Now we have two weeks to get it cleaned up. The defense fought hard for 60 minutes. Like these are all things that I'm afraid. I have to do I've a better job myself at preparing. That one I think is the worst. I, I, I hear that one every week. Well, that's, yeah, that's really tough. And another one, like it's, it's humbling for sure. We'll go back and look at the film and make adjustments. There were a handful of looks that we thought we could have taken advantage of, but couldn't like, this is when it starts to get a little bit scary. It's like when people start to bring these isms to your attention, when people start to get a little bit aggravated with what the coach speak is, um, I'm not quite at that point with Sean. And I, I don't think I will be for, like you said, for another year if the record is at this point next year. Um, and I, he's just the best thing that I feel like has happened in my personal football watching career outside of Dick for me on Kurt Warner. So it's hard for me to, it's, that's going to be like cutting ties with, you know, Aaron Donald or Cooper cup. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, definitely he was, uh, you know, he's in that, uh, he's in the warm up video during, before the Rams game, he, he gets his own, you know, like solo shot of Your him favorite thing. camera with like the backdrop and everything. He's, I mean, he's a huge part of, of the success and bringing the Los Angeles Rams into the conversation of like a real team for like five, six years in a row. So, I mean, I mean, you kind of want to talk about the Super Bowl and like, if the magic is gone, it feels a little bit like we made a deal with the devil and we are now like sitting here with the consequences in our hands and being like, okay, we did, you know, it was like yeah, what the Sixers did, trust the process. Like you're going to give all this stuff away so you can get to that point and then hopefully get over the top. The fact that they successfully got over yeah. the top, I mean, I still think that gives them probably a, one more year of this if it's the case. Like like let's say we are here three and six next year. Um, I, I still think everybody's fine. Maybe yeah, I think I think they're extended. I think Raheem would be the one. So, yeah. yeah, they're extended. So, like, I think I don't, their contracts go through the year. Yeah, through 25, so, right there. 
So. It is tough though, and I do think um, the drafting needs to be better, like as a whole. I, well, I, so I, yes, should, should okay. Get so two 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 points I want to say too, because I think your drafting methodology is way different when you have a cap heavy roster and you have a Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, Devon Miller, and all these other outstanding players. Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, all top heavy at the top of your roster. And you're trying to find supplemental talent that will complement those players specifically for a four year period to see you through that window in case you don't win in 2021. That to me was the methodology for less need way back when, four years ago. Now it's how could I find players in later rounds that can be starters or potential core contracts and really put the priority on finding these these players that can grow into what you would hope a Cooper Cup is or an Aaron Donald. And now with with guys like Puka Nakua and Steve Avila and Byron Young and Kobe Turner and Ethan Evans, those those core of rookies, I feel like, gives you a better outlook and a better, at least a template for what you should be looking for for the next couple of years. Not what you did in 19, 20, and 21, but what you're doing in 23 and 24 with potentially – the sixth pick in the draft. I hate this picture so much. How are we above the uh, the Packers? Oh, because we just lost to them. We, yeah, yeah, and we have more losses in total. Right, right, yeah. I mean, horrible, horrible. Three and six. I mean, you know, we're in the conversation with the Giants and New England right now, which are like some of the worst teams. I think right now, um, with Brett Rippon starting, we're we're the bottom of the NFL. I think we lose to every team above us. Wait, I mean, yeah, because there's New England, Chicago. Those games are both probably washes or they're close. Six to three, Jeff Fisher football, Carolina, good young quarterback. Arizona is getting Kyler Murray back. We'll see in three weeks if that's going to be a good game. So, yeah, I mean, you don't want to be the bottom of barrel of these, of these kind of teams, but I thought two, three weeks ago, we were far better then the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Denver Broncos, and they're all better so far in the standings after. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And it's just, you know, Stafford plays and we're 4-4 and four right now, and this podcast is completely different in every way. I mean, we're not talking about potential, you know, Samuel Jackson stepping in as, as the GM. Yeah, I mean, if you – yeah, you flip it a couple of weeks prior instead of being 3-6 and six, if you, you're or 5 four. and – say yeah. you're 5-4. and four. Right, you win the two weeks prior. You beat Pittsburgh. You beat Dallas, and you lose to Green Bay. But you're still five for hypothetical situation. But I think what's really interesting when you get to the draft: Are you invested in a quarterback? If we get a top six, yeah, you pick, have to be. You have that's, to be. What, that's what we failed to mention here. It was like you got the, a top six pick. You're going to go Caleb Williams and then Drake Maine as the two top quarterbacks, and then Bo Nix was mocked from Oregon. Um, to go number six overall today by PFF, which I thought was just absolutely outrageous. Never draft that kid that highly, but it remains to be seen. Are they going to draft the quarterback? Are they going to draft the left tackle? Are they going to draft the premier edge rusher? I think you have to go in that direction. Or you trade the six overall pick for a proven player. I think that's more likely what they'll do because they. I think they still think next year is like a year that they can like seriously compete with Stafford, who's got two more years on his deal, I think, after this year. Yeah, um, yeah. and they, they have almost no experience outside of Jared Goff paying first-round picks. Lesney hasn't paid a first-round pick in going on nine years since yeah. 2016, which is pretty outrageous. Eight I years. just don't 
Oh boy, uh, like the, the the quarterback conversation should have been dealt with. I mean, they thought it was dealt with with Stenson Bennett to have somebody come into this situation and 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 win a game in Green Bay. Um, but in, in their defense, though, it seems like the only quarterback um, that is a late round surprise. I guess you can consider Will Levis that player, but he went in the second round, right? Like. Jaron Hall got knocked out of the game. Yeah, Clayton Toon, Cameron, no, Josh Dobbs. Like there's no reason him. to draft him in the first place. Yeah. Like the one, at all. Like the one kid go get was somebody the, else. Get Taylor Heineke. Like the one kid that was a really big question mark was like, you didn't need to get a quarterback there. It yeah. was just a bad decision. And the the picture of them high fiving like they got their next guy. Um and like, like it was the best move ever is just burned into my retina. <laughs> they were trying to save money is really what they were trying dumb, to do. Cost-friendly option, trying to replace Baker Mayfield's production with somebody who played in a pro-style offense. But we were talking about like they went to the Purdue Pro Day. So that's why we really liked um, Aiden O'Connell and the kid that killed us. I think – tell me if this is incorrect. Can you Google Carrington Valentine College – because I'm pretty sure he went to Purdue. Because Aiden O'Connell and Carrington Valentine were two players that I really wanted late in the draft. And Aiden O'Connell went on to start for the Raiders this week. And your Raiders picnic was a huge, huge hit. That was a guaranteed victory. And then what happened on the other side? Like that's, you know, that's that's what's going on right now. So Yeah. Um, Kentucky. Oh, right. That's right. He went to Kentucky. But like, yeah, Carrington Valentine, seventh-round player. And he was great, right? He replaced um, Russell Douglas. And we were like, oh, you know, he's how great of a replacement. So he's a seventh-round rookie. Came in and played great against Brett Rick. Yeah, I, yeah I, that's what I mean about sense and minute. Like fourth round, there's just no excuse, especially when you're supposed to be drafting people that are going to be playing on the team and making an impact. What was Puka Nikua, also fourth round? He was a fifth-round pick. Fifth round, yeah. yeah like, I just want to be clear, on. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this face up because this is going to be me reading the comments about us bashing Stetson Bennett. We absolutely pray for his family, pray for him. I hope the situation works itself out 100%. Uh, he's hopefully on the right path. McVay said he's had some contact with him. So please don't comment and tell us that we are mean about Stetson Bennett because we do care about the kid, care about the organization. We just wanted the draft pick to work out. And we would be highly critical of any fourth round rookie that was promised who's going to come in and be a decent backup for this organization for the next 10, 15 years. And he wasn't even a fraction of that. Not even. No, I mean, he's also lowest rated quarterback in the preseason. Um, like, yeah, I mean, I don't Stetson Bennett. I wish the man the best a hundred percent. It's not what we're saying. I think it's fair to grade somebody on their football skill for a football podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brett Rippon worse than Stetson Bennett. So if you're a Stetson Bennett fan, there you go. It's the flipping ripping, man. Bad God, quarterback. Play. Rip was the worst tweet I've ever seen. Bad quarterback play is not fun to watch when you are the Rams' offensive line. You're in the 2023 season. You're coming out of what was last year. Like it just none of it works together. So uh, here's to hoping that the bye week, which it's necessary for the both of us, it's necessary for the Rams' entire organization. Week 10 bye week is way too late. I'm glad that it's happening. So hope you guys enjoy your bye week. We may be back later this week with another episode. We will see. Um, but otherwise, go Rams, and thank you for listening. Yeah, you know, it's 
it was the really difficult game to watch. So if you made it all the way through that game, you probably made it all the way through this episode. We really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, horns up, guys. Peace. Go Rams. <laughs>